Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 33. We are in a series that's been called Prosper. We want you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. There is a path to prosperity in the Bible, but so many people don't even understand what God's plan for prosperity is. And so we're going to get into the book of Proverbs today. Uh, The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. What I love about the book of Proverbs is that if you like to play Bible roulette, how many of you like to play Bible roulette? This is, this is that, that game that you play when you're down and you need a word from God. You need God to say something. Give me some direction for my life. I don't know what to do. So you're just like, okay, 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 boom. And then you look at it and it says, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 22, so Absalom went and had sex with all his father's concubines. <laughs> are, you, are you speaking to me, Lord? Is that what you want me to do? I mean, right? That is a very dangerous game to play. Except for the book of Proverbs. And I do mean this. Like, if you really want to play that game, fine. Only play in Proverbs. Because Proverbs, basically every verse is self-contained and can apply to your life. Just short snippets of wisdom. So you can look at almost any verse and find something good for you. But when it comes to Uh, this series. We've laid a foundation, and we said in week number one that you've got to get wisdom, that when the going gets tough, the tough get wisdom. Wisdom. How do I face this challenge now? This is in my life for a reason, and God says, if you ask me, I'll give you wisdom without reproach, and I'll give it uh, generously. Then in week two, we talked about you got to make Jesus the controlling influence of your life. He has to be the one that you follow, the one that you listen to. It can't be money. It can't be friends. It can't be opinions. It can't be even mom and dad or your kids. Jesus has to be Lord of your life. Then last week, we talked about just obey God. It is so simple, and yet we don't do it. Obey God. Do what God tells you to do. Get into the Bible. Read the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. Do what he did. Is there an area in your life that's small that you're just disobeying God? Well, obey that and it leads to big things. Small obedience leads to big time obedience and big time obedience yields big time blessings. Some of you never get that big time obedience opportunity because you're small in the disobedience. You're you're disobeying in the small things. Faithful with little, entrusted with much. And I know that this foundation has been helpful for you. But today, we're going to talk practicality. How to prosper, practically speaking. So Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 33. Let's stand together as we read from these verses. We're going to look at a guy. We're going to learn a lesson from somebody. In chapter 24 of Proverbs. Verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Can you say those two words with me? Lacking sense. I want you to remember those two words. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall had been broken down. Then I saw... And considered it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now I want you to stay standing as we read from the New Living Translation because I want you to hear it from 
this translation, I, I think that the New Living is very applicable, very hearable, more with our way of speaking today. And I like how it says it here. So listen to it as I read from the New Living. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles, it was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked, I thought about it, and I learned this lesson, a little extra sleep, a little extra slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. The title of the message today is Just Do Something. <laughs> Just do, you want to prosper in your life? Just do something. If you fail at that, do something else. But just do something. Somebody say, just do something. something. Let's pray. Father, we quiet our hearts to you. We open our hearts and our minds and our lives to you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We don't know what's best for our lives. You do. We don't have all the wisdom. You do. And we are proud enough to admit we need you. We need you. And I pray that we won't just hear what is said, but we will do it. For we know that it is in the doing of your word that the blessing comes. So may we not be hearers only deceiving ourselves, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. God bless you. Just do something. The writer tells us he went by the field of a lazy person, by a man lacking sense, and, and everything was overgrown. The ground was covered with nettles. It was going nowhere. It was stuck. And it was this wall there in, 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 the, in the field. It was broken down by somebody else. I want you to receive this message today because I believe that every single one of us has a field. We have a field of business, a field of industry. You have a field. I have a field. Everybody has a field. What are you doing with your field? Just do something. And we don't want to forget, sorry for a minute, our Taunton campus. They're watching by video. So good to see you folks over there in Taunton. <laughs> hey, right? Everybody, listen, you have a field, I have a field, everybody has a field. What are you doing with your field? Your field matters. Don't worry about everybody else's field. Don't worry about the size of your neighbor's field. Who cares that they have a bigger field? Work your field. I don't know what your field is. Your field is your field. My field is my field. My question to you is, are you working it? Are you working what God has given you? The skills, the opportunities the desires, the passions, the, the natural thrusts in your spirit that make you excited to live. Because we all are meant to be productive and prosperous by God's grace. So point number one, if you're taking notes with us, this is my message to you. Work your field. Work your field. We are in the greatest country that has ever been on the face of the earth. And we don't even realize how much we have. We don't even see how much opportunity is sitting outside our doorstep. 
Last, on this past Wednesday night, we were so excited to welcome new pastors onto the pastoral team at Waters Church campus-wide. Justin and Carrie Donlan, they moved all the way from South Africa, and we are so glad to have them with us. It was wonderful to greet them, but let me tell you something. We saw on their faces, they were just excited to be in America. Oh, they were just talking about it. We can't believe it. We just moved to America. We just moved to America. Do you understand that immigrants across the world dream of coming here? For the opportunities, the freedoms, the way in which you can become who you want to be. And government doesn't have the right to tell you what not to do and what to do as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Isn't that wonderful? And yet we have a generation. What's disturbing in this country is we have a generation of perpetual adolescence. They get older and they get younger at the same time. Still playing Xbox, 33 years old, living in your parents' basement, acting like no one, there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. I mean, get a life. <laughs> Grow up. Do some laundry. <laughs> Comb your hair. For heaven's sakes. You guys, we have this wonderful opportunity before us. Just do something. <laughs> Work your field. What is your field? Maybe it's numbers. You're just numbers. Numbers switch you on. Ooh, I love numbers. Maybe it's reading and writing and books and blogging and doing all that stuff. Well, do it. Do something. Secretarial, you're organized, you're straight, you're narrow, you're this, you're All your clothes are color-coordinated in your closet. Do that. Go out there and, and work. God is pro-work. This idea that heaven is going up into the clouds and playing a harp for the rest of eternity comes from not the Bible. It comes from Tom and Jerry. <laughs> heaven is going to be work. It is. It's going to be work minus the frustration of work. It's going to be productivity without sin and, and, and despair and disease and deterioration. That's the wonderful thing about heaven. You're going to be able to be prosperous and succeed and achieve, and you're going to be able to move forward in life and have responsibility and grow and work in heaven without all the junk here on earth. Amen. You're made to work. God is a worker. Jesus says he's still working to this day. Six days of creation, he worked. On the seventh, he rested. Uh, never forget that we serve a Savior who worked for 30 years as a carpenter. He worked his hands. I think that's so cool. Had calluses, cuts, scars on his hands from his work. Worked for 30 years and then ministered for three. Never forget that. God is pro-work. He put man in the Garden of Eden to do what? Genesis 2.15. To work it and to keep it. He said, Adam, Eve, work it. <laughs> I, I, I look at my parents. My father was one of the hardest working men I've ever seen in my life. Worked 16-hour days. Did not have a glamorous field. Had a normal average field. He was a truck driver. Woke up at four in the morning, got to the office or the business at five, got home at 8 p.m., sometimes 9 p.m., ate dinner cold, went to bed. 
did the church books do? We talked about that last week. But he worked, he worked, he worked, and he told me about this all my life. You better have a job. You better work and take care of yourself. Earn a living. It's a good thing, by the way. By the way, some of you need to hear this. When you earn a living, you feel better about yourself. Some of you are depressed, and you're on medication. I don't disparage the medication. If you need the medication, fine, but some of your depression could be solved just by being productive in your life. Just do something. Where do you get that, Pastor? I get that from the Bible. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 5. Love this verse. It says, it is a good thing to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. In other words, what's your field? Accept it. That's it. That's your field. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. I love that verse. Because some of you are like, oh, it's too late for me. If only I could go back. And you make these deals with God, oh God, bring me back to 18. I'll do it all differently. I won't marry that person. I won't go there. I won't do that. I won't have this. I won't. You ever notice how those prayers are pretty much useless? Because like there's no DeLorean with a time machine and a flex capacitor waiting for you to take you back to 1985. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't happen that way. You got to go forward, not backwards. Just do something. Just do something. Stop worrying about what you didn't do right. Anybody here ever make a mistake? All right, we're all in the same boat. Let's move forward. Let's go forward in Christ and work. God is pro work. I get a little bit frustrated with Christians. They get all upset about sins that aren't in the Bible and are okay with sins that are in the Bible. I know Christians, they'll get so frustrated with smoking. Smoking, oh, oh my, you're a smoker, ah! <laughs> Complain about smokers in the church. We got a couple of deacons, they're smokers. Let me tell you something, I'd rather have a hard-working deacon who smokes than a critic and a gossip who doesn't. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Did he just say it's okay to smoke? <gasps> I like this church. <laughs> no, it's not what I'm saying. I think it's bad for you. Yes, it kills you slowly, but so does McDonald's, so you do the math. You're all, up on, you're all hung up on smoking, but you take your kids to McDonald's. What's the difference? Both of them kill you slowly. But then there's these actual commandments in the Bible that talk about having a job. So why do you worry about what's not particularly in the Bible, but you don't worry what is in the Bible. I mean, when are we going to actually read this thing and do it? (laughs) It's that simple. (laughs) Obey God. Well, I was brought up this way. So what? I mean, how long are you going to spend identifying yourself with the first 18 years of your life? Did anything happen after that (laughs) to make you who you are? (laughs) I mean, you're somebody different now, I hope, I trust. Work. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. If a man is not willing to work, let him not eat. It doesn't get much clearer than that. It says in, in the later verse, it says this. Work quietly and earn your own living. Don't be bumming off everybody else. 
ridiculous. Now, if you can't work, there's a difference there. At the same time, there's some people who say they can't work, they can. I mean, everything's a mental thing now. I can't work because I got mental this, mental that. No, 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 no. You're just lazy. <laughs> Seriously. First Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Think the Bible's pro-work? What we've done in this country is we have redefined manhood. The media, the culture, the way of the world, look at it. It's disgusting. Look at your television shows. Look at your movies. What is a, what is a man now? A man is this over-sexualized, uh, me-first, self-centered, drunken, stupid idiot that plays Xbox all day and goes to Vegas on the weekends. That's what he does. That's a man now. No, it's not. You know what a man is? The Bible says a man is somebody who can take care of a family. That's a man. You want to be a man? Get a job. You say, I don't have a job. You make me feel bad about myself. Here's your job. Your job is to get a job. If it takes 50 to 60 hours a week, you do it. Are you working as hard getting the job as you will once you have the job? No. Maybe that's why you don't have a job. Maybe that's why you lost the job. Work. Go for it. America. It's beautiful. Let's do it. Get up and go. Take care of a family. Here's a great verse. Teenagers, I know you don't take notes. I'm not stupid. But please, <laughs> write this one down. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready in your field for yourself, and after that, build your house. Oh, I love this verse. You're 18 or under, or you're 24 or whatever, you're not married, listen to me very carefully what this verse is saying. First, have a way to support a family, then start one. <laughs> we live in a country where we've got it absolutely tipped upside down. So the, teen, so the teenagers of today, they're told in schools, have sex, but do it safely. Here's some condoms. It's like, play Russian roulette, but just keep one bullet in the show, in the, thing, in the chamber, just in case. And then you have a kid, and we've got dozens of you who stand up here and say, yes, this is true. You have a kid, and you handicap the next 10 to 20 years of your life when you're not married. First, take care of your field. First, take care of your field in there. Get your job going. Get your skills going. Get your trade going. Then build your house. What else is it saying? It's this. Earn money first. Have a way of earning money. And then spend money. What we want to do is we want to have the stuff our parents have when we're 23. It doesn't work that way. Get off your butt. And work. And by the way, those of us who are older, we like that it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Amen. Yes, it takes work to do this. It takes hard work. My parents, they live in Florida nine months out of the year, and they come up here for three months, the only three good months that we have, and then they're down in Florida. And they have a wonderful house, two bedrooms, two baths, beautiful, on a golf course. Oh, 
They drive a little golf cart all over the place. <laughs> so funny. It's not, I'm not kidding. There's some of them that are souped up like Cadillacs and Escalades. It's amazing. <laughs> and I go down there. I'm like, man, this is wonderful. But you know what? They worked for it. They worked for it. Here's what my mom did. She went to be a high school math teacher and had a baby pretty soon after they were married. And that was over for her for a while. And she became a social worker. Now, there's a lesson for some of you. You went to school for this field, but you can't do that field because you can't make money in that field, so you've got to find a new field. Well, do it. This is America. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. You've got opportunities. You've got chances. You made mistakes. So what? We all have. Move forward. Work in your field. Get that ready. Then start a family. I've had people in this office. They don't, do, they don't work. You know, I think that, listen, I think that it is a disgrace to the name of Christ if we don't work hard in the office and the places where we work. You're a Christian, and you're sitting there yammering around the water cooler all day? Come on. We have a Savior who said, go the extra mile. Somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them too. Do you know where the, the phrase, go the extra mile, comes from Jesus? You don't wait for your boss to ask you to do stuff. You do stuff. Take initiative. Try new things. Um, ask him what else you can do. He'll take notice of you. Then the opportunities will start coming. It just, don't sit there with the crowd of complainers in the office. Make the office better. Be productive and proactive. You've got the opportunity. This is wonderful for you. We've had people in this office sit and do nothing. Work here. I know I'm an employer. Come in late. Check ESPN and Facebook all day. They don't work here anymore. We don't stand for that. Want to be good stewards. Good stewards of the people that work in this office. You got to work hard. You can ask. Some people say, oh, I would love a job at the church. Ooh, that would be great. Relax all day. Show up on the weekends for a couple hours. And that's it. Ask the people who work here. Ask them what I'm like <laughs> during the office hours. They don't like it so much sometimes. But they're hard workers. And they all do multiple jobs. And they work hard. And we expect that because, listen, when we are God's kids... We represent his name to the devil's kids. Amen. How dare the devil's kids outwork God's kids? Amen. Let's do better than the devil's kids. And by the way, that's where the money is, working hard, prospering. Let me say something to you parents. Teach your kids to work. Good night. I don't get parents who let their kids play Xbox, PlayStation, go on the internet, chat, Facebook, six hours a night on a television doing everything else except working in the home. Can they do stuff? Then make them do stuff. Our kids are 11 and 8 now. My daughter, she changes the baby, cleans the baby, feeds the baby, gets up with the baby. It's the easiest baby we've ever raised. <laughs> it's wonderful. They empty the dishwasher, they fill the dishwasher, they do the laundry, they Take the laundry, put it into the dryer, get it out of the dryer, bring it upstairs, fold the laundry, put the laundry back into the drawers, clean their own rooms. As soon as Connor's old enough, I'm retiring my lawnmower duties. <laughs> Seriously? You're going to sit there and let your kid up there on the internet surfing looking at God knows what? And you're trying to make ends meet and get dinner ready and clean up dinner and do all that stuff? Come on! You got free labor sitting up there. Teach your kids to work. Oh, man. Amen, somebody? Amen. <laughs> Number two. Oh, no, no. Let's, let's talk about this one more moment. One more moment. It says this. That um, 
he was a man lacking sense. I ask you to remember those two words, lacking sense. Because there's two other places where that word lacking sense shows up in Proverbs. Here's one. Proverbs 6.32 says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does this can, destroys himself. I wonder if the man who owned the vineyard who lacked sense and it was going nowhere didn't work the vineyard because he was engaged in sexual immorality. And I looked at the Bible, the whole story of the Bible, and I see this consistently over and over and over again, that there's two partners, sexual morality and laziness. As soon as David didn't work, there was Bathsheba. As soon as Solomon had all the money in the world that he could imagine, there was a thousand wives waiting for him. Sexual morality destroyed the king. Samson was supposed to fight. Instead of fighting, he went to a vineyard, had, got drunk, and married a woman that was all wrong for him. You're lazy right now, and you think it's okay, and it's not, I don't need, to go, don't need to work that hard. You're opening up your hands to the devil. I found a disturbing statistic that 20% of men in America admit to being addicted to pornography in the workplace. Is it no wonder why women are now dominating the workplace? Get, get that together. Get that out. Whatever it takes. Confess. Confess to your wife. Do whatever it takes. You don't want to mess around with this stuff. You don't want to mess around with this junk. It will destroy, what does he say? He who does it destroys who? Himself. It's like God is saying, please, please don't jump off the cliff. But I can jump off the cliff. I know I can jump off the cliff. No, please don't jump off the cliff. Look at this person. Look at that person. They all jumped off the cliff. They're dead. I had a friend who committed adultery on his wife. Four months for work. Um, had to move out. Thank God they reconciled. But uh, lost his job, lost his car, lost time at work, lost pay, counseling, the whole deal. They added all the numbers up. Four months of pleasure, $15,000. $15,000. I was like, whoa, I don't need that. I'm sorry. All right? Get this out so that you can move forward in your life. It's, it's, I know that I've been talking about sex a lot. All during this series, every single message, I've been mentioning it. But I do believe that there is a close link between prosperity and sexual fidelity. And that if you are faithful in your sex life, it does, I mean, that's something you just can't mess with, man. You can't. You've got to do it God's way. So well, I didn't do it God's way. Okay, start today. Start now. You're living with somebody. They're not married to you. Come on. Why? I know this is going to tick some of you off, but you've got to stop being stupid. Why do you buy the cow when you get the milk for free? <laughs> buy the cow, young man. Be a man. And by the way, stop calling her a cow. <laughs> but move forward and do the things that God says to do. It'll bless you. And then work hard. Work hard. Be a good employee. Be a good business owner. Uh, let me read you some scriptures. Proverbs 12, 14. Wise words bring many benefits and hard work brings rewards. Proverbs 12, 24, the, heart, the land of the diligent will rule. The hand of the diligent will rule. While the slothful will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12, 27, a hardworking person becomes wealthy. That's simple. Proverbs 13, 4, a hardworking person becomes worth wealthy. Another verse, Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance. It's hard work, but it pays off 
in the end. Work your field. Number two, learn in your field. So what I'm saying is don't just punch a clock. Are you learning? Are you advancing yourself? Are you trying to find a new trade, a new skill, a new hobby, a new technique to do your business better and cheaper and faster and more efficient? Learn. Never stop learning. I can stand here today and tell you, I, I've learned much more about doing this job since I left college than I ever learned in college. They don't teach you how to do this in college. They teach you how to open the Bible, study this word, that word, the other thing, there they go, Greek, Hebrew, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't really help. Helps a little bit. You got to keep learning, keep growing yourself. I want you to notice that the writer says, I saw and considered it and I learned instruction. I learned from this guy's mistakes. How about that one? Are you learning not just from your own mistakes? Are you learning from other people's mistakes? Because you can save yourself a boatload of pain if you just said, whoa, 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 look at that. That's pretty bad. Don't want to do that. Check that off my list. Nope, 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 nope. You know what I'm talking about? Like how many, how many MLMs, how many multi-level marketings do you have to get involved in before you know it's a scam? <laughs> it's a scam. Oh, but if only I get two people to do the thing, I sign on two people, sign on two people, I'll have $50,000 tomorrow. It's a scam. Just work hard and learn. Go to school. Maybe some of you need to go back to school. It's okay. Maybe you need to go to light classes. Maybe you need to go online and study online. Do something. Just do something. I have a, my brother-in-law. He teaches, um, teaches college-level courses on his lounge chair in his house, on his computer. Just, I said, what are you doing? I'm working. What are you doing? I'm teaching a class. Are you serious? Yeah. He's got it going on. Kids are in school, he's got the house, he's got the, the lounge chair, he's got his drink, he's satisfied. But he works hard. There's opportunities online, you gotta go place, you gotta learn from other people. One of the things I do, I listen to a lot of preaching. I listen to about 10 sermons a week on podcasts from other churches, from other pastors. I learn from them, how do they do it? How, what do they do? How do they, how do they move? How do they talk? How do they, you know, how do they say that point? And I learn and I learn and it helps me become a better me. I'm, I'm investing in me. You can do this in your industry. Get on the blogs. Find somebody um, that's doing your job better than you and learn from them. You know what I'm talking about? There's opportunities out there to become a better you. Sam Walton was the founder of Walmart. I remember reading a book by his second-in-command, and he said this, that he would go to towns, they would go to conferences all over the United States, and they would go to these little podunk towns in the middle of nowhere. He would find a department store, and he would always insist, Sam would always insist on going into the town's department store. And he would look at how the department store did things. And he would find the one thing that that department store did better than Walmart. And he would take the idea and bring it to Walmart. And I remember reading the guy who said, I couldn't imagine the places he would take me into. I'd say, what can you learn from this guy? And we would go in and he would say, did you see that hosiery section? That's the best hosiery section I've ever seen. Let's take that idea and bring it to Walmart. And the rest is history. He learned from other people. Are you learning in your field? Are, are, are you focused on developing your skills? Young people, get your schooling done. And don't fall for this nonsense if you have to be in a relationship while you do it. It's nonsense. Go to school. 
Stay single. Be proud of it. And all this pressure to get married. All this pressure. Find someone. Oh, who are you dating? No one. Oh, why not? It's disgusting. It's okay to be single. In fact, the Bible says sometimes it's better to be single. There's no marriage in heaven. There's a reason. <laughs> what I'm saying is get your schooling done. Learn a field, a trade. Then fall in love. Well, we're driven by our feelings. I love him. I love him. <laughs> this is why you're going nowhere. <laughs> Amen. Get a six-day project. I have that in your notes. Write that down, please. Get a six-day project. You know, the Bible only talks about working six days a week. It never talks about five. Where do we get this idea of five? In the 1960s, when immigrants were flooding into the country to get, work, to get jobs, half of them were Jewish and half of them were Christian. The Jews worshiped on Saturday, the Christians on Sunday. The employers didn't know what to do, so they gave them both days off. So now we have the weekend. And let me say something about the weekend. Some of you work all week for the weekend. That's baloney. You don't need a vacation every week. You understand what I'm saying? Get a sixth day. You, you, this is how I think about it. Five days work, five day work week pays the bills. Sixth day gives you some money. Gets you going forward. Gets you prospering. Gets you increasing. Have a six day project. Some of you it's a craft. Some of you it's a hobby. Some of you working on your house just Beautifying your house, fixing it up is going to increase the value. It's a six-day project. Going back to school, your six-day project. Now listen, some of you work 20 hours a week, 16 hours, a, I mean, 20 hours a day, 16 hours a day. Obviously, I'm not saying then on top of that, work another six-day. You've got to use wisdom here. You've got to use smarts. But what can you do with your free time other than go to the Cape every weekend? other than go on vacation every weekend. I mean, seriously, find something that you love. And by God's grace, maybe, maybe by God's grace, the six-day project could eventually come your six days a week deal. That's when you hit the mother load. Amen. Amen. Pastoring was my six-day project. I worked at a bank four or five days a week, and I worked at the church one day a week. And now this is my job. But now, but now I got a six-day project. You might not know this, but this is my day job. I have a thing on the side that I do. I make money. I, I, it helps my family pay some bills also and helps me have a little spending money, gets us to Florida every year. It's wonderful. How did I do it? I went online and I watched tutorials and I learned the techniques and I did it and taught myself and now I do it for myself and I, and I make some money. You can do this. It's easy. You can do this. It's a land of opportunity. Say, so what's your six-day project? I'm not telling you. No, I don't want to use the pulpit to sell my stuff. That's not, that's not what I'm about. Get a six-day project. Six days a week you shall work, and the seventh you shall rest. Amen. Amen. Number three, lastly, dream, don't sleep. He says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty, and want, and scarcity will pounce on you. What we have in this country is a bunch of sleepers, but nobody's dreaming. Do you have a dream for your life? An aim, a target. Some of you are waiting for God to give you this moment of revelation. Oh, it's not going to happen. It only happened to Mary. 
Jesus' mother. And after that happened, she was pregnant. So if you want that, there you go. But maybe while you're waiting on God, God's waiting on you. Maybe. Have a dream. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, Joseph had a dream. I love those words. He had a dream. And he told his brothers about it. They hated him. He was thrown in a pit. Then he was accused of rape. Potiphar's wife wanted to have sex with him. He said no. He was accused of rape anyway, and he went to prison. Spent two years in prison. Finally, finally, after all those years and all those frustrations, the dream came true. All the way to the dream, he was faultless. He didn't do almost anything wrong. Do you know how he did it that way? Because he had a dream. And the dream kept him moving forward in life. When you have a dream, you don't get sidetracked by the garbage. Don't get in the way of my dream. Get out of the way of my dream. Said to Potiphar's wife, get out of my way, you hag. I got a dream. And by the way, the Bible never says the dream was from God. It doesn't say that. It just says he had a dream. Some of you are waiting for your dream from God. Just have a dream of something that's good and productive for your life, for your kids. Someone once said, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Where are you going five years from now, ten years from now? I think about this church. How are we here? How are we here? A dream. A dream. Thirteen years old, God put it in my heart to be a pastor. Nineteen years old, I was in college. God spoke to me and said, I want you to start a church someday. Six years later, seven, seven years later, I was working as a youth pastor, not living my dream. Pastor Geyser says, we want to start a church. What do you want to do? I said, I want to go. That's my dream. And there was days. There was months. There was years where I was like, this is terrible. 20 people showing up on Sunday. Ugh. Praying, hoping, trusting, meeting in a basement, cinema pub. The place stunk. Finally, dreams started to come into reality. What kept me focused? What kept us going forward? The dream. I got a dream for this church right now. This building over here. That's my dream. That's my dream. Some of you are like, oh, isn't that cute? Pastor has a dream. <laughs> I'd rather dream and fail a thousand dreams and a thousand failures than stop dreaming. And some of you have stopped dreaming. Some of you have stopped dreaming. Stop. Letting your past define your present. You say, God, you are still God. Would you give me a dream? Would you give me a dream? Work hard, learn, and dream. I want you to stand with me.